We know that God provides comfort. The Bible reveals that this is just one more way that he shows his love for us. And during our Wednesday night Bible study of the 23rd Psalm, we were reminded that God is the God of comfort. In verse 4, David writes, God, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Comfort in times of trouble is a good thing, a true blessing. But comfort in the mundane, the everyday, as good as it may feel, can lead to complacency and yet, worse yet, some inaction. Being satisfied in one's comfort in the status quo or in fear of taking a risk can stop us dead in our tracks. So this morning we're going to consider our perspective on our comfort level and see what the Bible says about responding with action in times when our calling leads us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes I, I talk about my Monday through Friday job, and one of my roles in, in that job is, is space planning. It doesn't sound very exciting, and to some degrees it is, and some degrees it's stressful, but, but there's an element of interior design with it as well. Not only do I have to consider how the individuals within each department works, but how those groups work with each other, where that fits in the grand scheme of building, and all kinds of stuff. And I must consider how the groups interact, and then design an environment with proper placement for the people, and the equipment, and the, the different types of meeting spaces and stuff. And as a result, I've become a bit of a subject matter expert on office furniture. And I suppose maybe a little feng shui, right? I don't know if that's still a thing, but, but and a lot on ADA. <laughs> but it's more than just positioning. It's about function. And I have to do this all while considering the activities and, and the ergonomics of people and the functions they perform at these locations, right? We have, we have these ergonomic keyboards. Have you ever seen these? They're kind of bat wing, things like this. And we've got all kinds of stuff like that. And you cannot use a standard keyboard that is bad so this is how you learn to type and then i come home and i have to learn to do this again but um change that slide there so this is one of the diagrams i use because it's got a lot of the calculations i must consider in where we place things and it, it, it looks i don't know to me it looks cool but it, it depicts the measurements i use to calculate the functional design without sacrificing comfort at a workstation as you can see there's an area for normal work right and, and then there's a maximum area based on a comfortable reach, right? You don't put anything that the person might need beyond that. Certainly, you don't need that overlapping between people. And just when it had it set up for 1,400 people, we had COVID, six feet apart, 10 feet apart, had to make it all, and then now we're all coming back. But, but that's one of my challenges. This diagram, oh, back one. A little, <laughs> little, little carried away there? Yes. A little kiss at me. This diagram's a, a little better because it's, it's an, you can see the area of ease and comfort. It's right where you expect it to be, right? Right, right in front of you. Right? This is where we put stuff we use. Uh, about as far as you can comfortably reach while seated. And this is where the paperwork's done, if you're a paperwork person. This is the keyboard and the mouse. That's the stuff you use. And let's be honest, this is where most people put their cell phone. Right there in front of them. And there's just beyond that area, that little orange area there, it's an okay. That's like where occasional stuff goes because it's still accessible but you have to lean forward and stretch a little bit. And this is fine for things you don't need very often. So this is the desk phone, this is the printer, this is your office supplies. And beyond even that far reaching area, and even beyond what I would call the most liberal definition of comfort is this area where you really have to press your chest into the desk and, and hard stretch the desktop. And uh, because a lot of our desktops are 30 to 40, 
too much information. Anyway, you have to really press in to reach them and, and you're like laying on top of your work surface. And this is stuff you just want to look at but not touch. So this is where the monitors and the monitor arms and the family pictures and the little job aid cheat sheets and stuff. So this is kind of how we lay stuff out. And I want to give you this visual image because we all have our literal and figurative comfort zones. Whether it's a traditional place to eat on a certain day of the week, the favorite chair to watch TV from, or the way we conduct our daily routine, there is a satisfaction in not having to do reach to reach for anything too far um, out of this little area that is of ease that immediately surrounds us. Each one of us is surrounded by our, our personal comfort zones. They can be the boundaries that make us feel cozy and secure, right? Whether it's a literal place or, or you know, just a, a state of mind. But we, we like to be comfortable. Of course we do. Of course we do. Why wouldn't we? But it is that perceived constant comfort a good thing. Is that good for us? Change can certainly be uncomfortable. I don't like change. But change is sometimes good for us, especially when God says we need to change. When we step outside our self-imposed boundaries we, that we call our comfort, we, we leave behind the place that we think is so perfect, right? Our minds immediately start pushing back with questions and doubts. What if, what if this doesn't work? What if this is uncomfortable? What if, what if I embarrass myself if I do or say this? What if I fall or fail or, or lose something I value? Or what if I am no longer, like I said, comfortable, you know? pretty much like the situation, the place I'm at. It takes a true loop of faith in, in God to step outside our comfort zones. Now, Neil Donald Walsh is credited with saying this, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. But perhaps, perhaps it's more apt to say freedom begins at the end of your comfort zone. And I say that because those boundaries that kept us comfortable often trap us where we are, Right? We, um, we're so comfortable in our routine and our spot that we don't do anything. And, and these little boundaries we set up to keep us safe and comfortable kind of trap us there, right? We don't want to do anything else, become complacent or maybe even as far as saying lazy because we are so comfortable. Everything is just where it needs to be. And what if we only do the things within our limited reach of our sedentary spot, either literally or figuratively? What if that's all we accomplish is just right there? So look on that screen again. Now let's imagine what would happen if we grew that area of comfort or, or moved it, our comfort zone, to include those things that we're called to do. That means either moving ourselves, extending our reach, or bringing things closer to us, both literally or figuratively. What if we became so good at sharing the gospel, at, at caring for others, at, at forgiving those we hold judgment against, that those just become natural. What a world that would be. If that was so natural, that was within our comfort zone to these things we're supposed to be doing anyway. That's the world that God created and, and the world that he desires for us. It's what heaven is like. I truly believe that. Don't you want to be a part of making a little bit of heaven here on earth? In an effort to prevent that from happening, Satan will use your own comfort against you to discourage you from taking those steps. He is the author of those doubts and those questions I mentioned a moment ago. And God has an answer for them. But what if it doesn't work? God says, my plans will prevail. What if I embarrass myself? God says, there is no shame in doing what is good and right. What if I fail and I lose something I value? God reminds us of what is of true value and promises blessings to us. 
What if I'm no longer comfortable? And God says, I will give you courage to move and real comfort in your struggles. God does want you to do something if he calls you to it. He will encourage you, nudge you, support you. And and if he needs you, he'll make it happen. You know, we think of the story of Jonah, right? Um, No, I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. What happens? Big fish. Where does he end up? Nineveh. Well, he uh, he could have saved a couple days of discomfort by just doing what he was called to do, right? How many times has God just sent a big fish to move us where we don't think we want to be, but he absolutely wants to put us? Now, he'll nudge us. He'll ask us. But like any good parent, he says, okay, you can do it on your own or I can, I can make it happen. But the other thing is we're at risk of missing the personal blessing of being a part of God's work. This, this has maybe happened if you don't do whatever the calling is or if you do it, there's a sense of obligation or compulsion. And we talk about this with tithes and offerings, right? The scripture says, do it out of joy, not out of obligation or compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. That's the, that's the message. And, and why that is, you know, if, if you gave... Again, uh, a gift, an offering, donated your time, your effort, whatever it may be, your skills. Um, but you feel like it's that obligation. You're not going to enjoy it as much. Now, God will use that. He will absolutely will use what you committed to him. I kind of equated this. We talked about this uh, maybe a couple of years ago on a Sunday morning Bible study. And it was, the question was, you know, you give someone on the corner that looks like they're having a hard time and you, and you give them some money. And the next time you drive by and you see them in there buying cigarettes or alcohol or whatever it may be doing, or they get into a nice car and drive away, and you're like, oh, I feel really, you know, that's not what it's about. It's about the heart that you gave with, not what they did with it. That's shame on them, but good for you. That's what God is pleased with when you do these things. So again, not out of a sense of obligation or, or, or compulsion. So when, when you feel a calling and you do it, it's not about what God's going to do or what credit you get. It's about the spirit and heart in with which you do it. Now, the Lord our God has, promised, uh, or has provided a promise to accompany any of his callings. So listen to the encouraging words from Joshua 1.9. It says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Right? We, last week we talked about these these. Uh, things that were kind of taken a little out of context. We said, is it in the Bible, some of these statements? And one of them was, if he leads you to it, he'll lead you through it. Now that is not word for word in there, but I'm pretty sure that this is where it came from, right? Have I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If I led you to it, if I called you to it, I'm going there with you. But 366 times in the Bible, we are commanded not to fear. Now, that's one for every day of the year, including leap year. So obviously, this is a message God wants you to take a hold of. Be courageous. Perhaps he's also reminding us that we need to step out of our comfort zone and be courageous every single day. All 365 of them, and you don't get a day off for for leap year. 366. Bren Brown once said, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you can't have both. Perhaps this is because comfort doesn't require courage. It certainly doesn't require faith unless you're just clinging to a faith that nothing will, will need to change. I trust that I'm fine to sit here I'm, and, and do this or do nothing more. But is that real faith? The faithful verse, Romans 8.21, assures us, we know that all things will work together for good for them that love God, for them who are called according to his purpose. 
And the Bible's filled with stories of people that were called outside their comfort zone. I'm just going to name a few. Moses was called to leave his job of shepherding sheep to, to, to confront the Pharaoh and lead an entire nation of people to freedom. Joshua was commanded to lead the fearful Israelites into battle and then freedom so they could take hold of the promised land. Nehemiah was called to leave his comfortable job in a palace and become the leader who would help rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. Gideon was called to leave his job threshing wheat and lead a small group of warriors to defeat the very people they'd been hiding from. Esther was challenged to approach the king, though it was against the law to do so without being invited. She did this in hopes that it would save her people from annihilation. Mary. Mary was called to become a teenage mother before she had even become a wife. And not just any mother, the mother of the long-awaited Savior. And don't forget her fiancé, Joseph, who was called to accept her. The uneducated disciples were called to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, despite being persecuted. Paul was called to preach to the very people that he had been persecuting and even killing, and those uh, who had been doing the persecuting along with him. And Jesus... Jesus was called to die an excruciating death on a cross so that you and I could be saved. I want to encourage you this week to open your Bibles and read some of these stories for yourself. They're encouraging stories about reluctant leaders. They are profound and maybe the characters are even a little intimidating, right? I couldn't be a Moses, right? I, I, I couldn't be a, a, an Esther. But they started as common people. I'm unknown individuals and their stories also serve to show that God uses everyone, absolutely everyone, and to this day, he still does. Even those that don't call him God, he still uses them, still uses them. And he especially delights in using the comfortable, right? He calls them outside their comfort zone to be used in partnership with him for greater things. Their lives and lives they touch would never be the same again. And he still does this today. Now, a week ago, when, when Sherry and I were hosting donuts, and I got my pen, Bill Black was here with his entire family, and like I said, his, his mother-in-law had shared a story, and I said, oh, you've got to come tell the church a story, and I will have her come, but, but she was going to share a testimony of kept stepping outside of her comfort zone and what impact that has made, and, and I don't think she even realized the impact it was until she was explaining it to me, and I'm just like, that is so cool that that's what you do, and I'm not going to ruin it by telling you what it is. But maybe someone here has a story they want to share. I'm not talking about when we're called to do something um, and we do it because you know, we, we have a good history of, of doing that. But something that was like, I would never. I don't want to. But you feel that nudging and you did it anyway. Does anybody want to share? I know, I mean, part of a lot of the story of how I ended up here today was a lot of that, right? I mean, I remember... Sherry was doing um, palliative care, and I remember saying, I don't know how you do it. There's a, there's a handful of careers I just, school teachers. I don't, I don't, you know, you freak out when you have to watch your two by yourself, but you got to watch 30 of someone else's, right? School bus drivers. Now those 30 kids are behind you, and you're supposed to be driving, right? Um, and I said, nurse in palliative care, I just don't know that I can do it. You remember what happened? Got a, got a phone call within minutes. Hey, we really could use a hospice chaplain. Oh, better say yes, you know? Better say yes. Did you just have something now? Yeah, my comfort zone running for city council, having to go door to door, ask for votes. Yeah. Knock on doors and go up and to strangers. Yeah. You know, they have never met. That is a stretch to go talk to people you don't know that you've never met 
They basically ask them for something, right? And in, the, in your case, they're asking them to trust you, right? But it's also an opportunity to, to meet them as well, yeah. I know another thing. I, um, it was another email. I got to stop checking my email and answering my phone. It, it was the Nepris thing. It was the, the prep KC. Hey, we see you've got a lot of random experience. I'm like, well, that's one nice way to say it. But would you mind talking to some classroom kids? Ooh, no. Remember? Remember, right? Classroom teachers, those are, those are brave souls. I'm not one of them. And he said, oh, it's okay. It's virtual. And I did one, and I loved it. And actually, I brought the thing. What are the numbers off that? I think I've done 41 of them. What is the, how many? On top of that there. Yeah, thanks. Thirty-two hundred students in how many classrooms? One hundred and thirty-one classrooms in nineteen states. Nineteen states, and this started a year ago, and and it's so much fun, and the story is so. I'm kind of doing this as a plug. It's not about me. If you guys have an interesting skill, topic, education, you want to speak to classrooms on, it is so much fun. Anybody else? I know there's stories here because I know your stories. I know some of your stories. We'll go on faith that, that there are stories. When you step outside your comfort zone, amazing things happen. Okay? Amazing things happen. And if you say you can't do it or even think that it can't or won't happen to you, I, I respond by saying you have already stepped out of your comfort zone in faith in one area for sure. For sure. You see, Christ asks his followers to die to themselves, to surrender their lives to take up their crosses and follow after him. Taking up a cross and surrendering control of your life are not comfortable actions, right? And Christians should always be willing to step outside their comfort zone into any situation that God may place them. So in a certain sense, the very act of becoming a Christian can put one in unfamiliar territory. Christ calls his followers to stop seeking earthly riches, to not worry about the future, and to live sacrificially to seek the good of others, all of which run contrary to the values of this world, right? When you made the decision to accept Christ, to follow him, to, to do your best to live a life like he's called you to live, you've stepped outside your comfort zone. You have. These teachings call Christians to live a lifestyle radically different from the way they were accustomed to before their decision to become a Christian. You've done it already. You've done it. Placing your faith in God's promise and in Jesus Christ for salvation requires a huge step outside your comfort zone. Our natural inclination is to rely on ourselves in, in some way to be saved. If I, if I do good, if I try harder, if I, if I give more, I will be saved. When we think we can just do good, be, or do good or be good people, that our, our wealth proves God's favor, or that by performing certain actions and, and stuff, we can cancel out our sins, we, we're taking comfort in the lies. To surrender ourselves completely to God, to place our faith exclusively in Jesus Christ to save us, requires us to deny our instinct to save ourselves. In this sense, all Christians step outside their comfort zones simply by becoming Christians. I've said it again. Friends, if you've already proclaimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you've already stretched your comfort zone. You're including things in your life that, that many people don't about loving and accepting others and yourself, about looking at things through Christ's eyes and seeing the value in them. 
But don't be so comfortable that you don't do anything more with it. He called you once. He will call you once again and continually. He loves you way too much to leave you where you are and how you are. So what does a calling sound or feel like? I I can't answer that for you. But it will be unmistakable. For me, it's an almost undeniable urge more than a spoken word or, or when I get a nudge to make a choice, will I or won't I? It's really a matter of choice. You can choose to be courageous and then let God provide the new level of comfort or you can choose to be comfortable and see how long that lasts. You can choose to be obedient, experience the blessing God at work in and through you or you can choose to continue to live in fear. That doesn't sound very comfortable to me. I'm sure you were familiar with the five second rule. I was going to demonstrate it, but I couldn't get a volunteer. Right? We, we're not going to discuss or defend the, the concept of eating off the floor. It's, but I want to introduce you to a different five-second rule. Okay? It's this idea that if, if, you, if you feel like you should be doing something or need to be doing something specific, the longer you sit, the more you wait, your mind will start talking you out of it. It's just the way it works. It's just psychology. So the five-second rule is this. If you feel a nudge, an urge, whatever it is to do something, you literally count down five Four, three, two, one, go. Now, there's two things that one, you're making a commitment. Number two, you're engaging your mind instead of letting it argue with you. And three is they say it activates a part of the brain that gets you ready to do something, right? So if you feel a nudge, five, four, three, two, one, go. Don't cheat and count really slow. That's not right. Count down the five second rule. And I said my callings have seemed to come through opportunities that I wouldn't have considered for myself. And I've given a couple examples. And, and even a few in response to me thinking I would never, never, ever, don't ever say that. They've been largely unspoken means. But, but also the lyrics of songs speak to me. They convey a message or creates thoughts for me. And I love that. And I, I love being able to pick songs for Sunday morning that, that have a meaning for me. Several years ago, the contemporary Christian band Audio Adrenaline released a song, and I won't play it for this morning, but I want to share with you the lyrics. Consider the narration of the person as they wrote and sang these words, okay? It says, an image flashed across my TV screen. Another broken heart comes into view. I saw the pain and I turned my back. Why can't I do the things I want to? So I'm willing yet I'm so afraid, but you give me strength when I say, and this is the chorus here. It says, I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I'll go where you send me. I'll go where you send me. And it says, and I'll try, yeah, I'll try to touch the world like you touched my life. And I'll find the way to be your hands. That's the chorus. And verse two says, I'll abandon every selfish thought. I'll surrender everything I've got. You can have everything I am and listen to this and perfect everything I'm not. Ooh, I'll give you everything I am and you will perfect everything I'm not. And then it goes back to that chorus, right? I don't want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. And then the last verse says, this is the last time I turn my back on you. From now on, I'll go out. Send me where you want me to. I finally have a mission. I promise I'll complete. I don't need excuses when I am your hands and feet. I am your hands and feet. And it goes into that. I'll go where you send me. Now, just like when you study the Psalms of the First Testament, you can hear the change in the author as they share the words from God, right? It says, you know, I see this thing and I, and I, why can't I do these things I want to do? What? And the next, next says, he says, 
I'll abandon the stuff. And the last one says, this is the last time I turn my back on you. He's talking him through this as he's talking to God. And you can hear him get excited in the lyrics and it's louder and guitar solos. Um, but it's, you know, it gets going and you're like, yeah, I love the story of this song. And, and you've got to think that someone was experiencing this when they put it to music, right? Why, why do I watch the suffering of the world and I do nothing? Let me be your hands and feet. That's what you want me to do. You know, and then he promises, he makes a commitment. This is the last time I do nothing. It's a common misconception is that we have to go to extravagant measures to make an impact for Christ, right? We have to go to far off lands or do something radical or really huge in public. But, and that is sometimes the case. But it is important not to overlook the small things. For example, stepping out of your comfort zone may mean starting a conversation with someone you do not usually talk to. Or it could be as simple as reaching out to a neighbor by taking them to coffee, inviting them somewhere, taking one of the DVD bags. Perhaps it is in the form of a new and more meaningful conversation with an old friend. You ever had one of those? And you just kind of turn and, and you find yourself, I had a really good one with my daughter yesterday about church. And, and she's 24 now. We can have a different conversation than we had 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But to put it on a practical level, it may mean hosting donuts on a Saturday morning or, or serving as lay leader or, or volunteering to, to pass out the bags, the door-hanging bags, which, which has been so successful. Have we become so comfortable that we don't even consider the obvious opportunities? But how do you know if God is calling you to make a change, to step outside your comfort zone? I, I found this list of four things to consider. It says, if your life has been stuck in one unwanted season for a long time, this is most likely a sign God wants you to get out of your comfort zone. Two, if, you fear of taking, if your fear of taking a step of faith is causing more anxiety than the worst case scenario would cause if you actually take that step, this is a sign that God wants you to step out of your comfort zone. This is what I'm talking about, being trapped by your fear, right? The freedom begins at the end of your comfort zone. If the fear of taking that step is more anxious than the worst thing that would happen if you took it. Number three, if you keep getting mad at yourself for being so passive, this is often a sign the Holy Spirit is convicting you to get out of your comfort zone. And four, if the risk is worth the possible reward, this is usually a sign that God is leading you to get out of your comfort zone. I'll wind this up. It says, God often presents us with risks that are worth taking because of what is at stake. You will know God wants you to get out of your comfort zone and into the unknown when the risk is truly worth the reward. And the reward may be eternity, an eternity with him. The reward might be the saving of a life, literal or figurative, the saving of a hope. We don't know what he's gonna do with our, our efforts. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by faith, not by sight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, I love this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. It says that in all your ways, acknowledge him, right? Follow him and he will make your path straight. And it can be a scary thing to leave your comfort zone to, to follow Jesus and his instructions. But he, he promises the risk is worth the reward. John 15, 16 he says, you did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you. Now this is a calling. He says that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Now, this is the mission. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This is the reward. We are called to be comforted. 
We are not called to be comfortable. They are not the same thing. Think about the statement. Comfort is a, not a product of our faith. It is a reassurance after suffering and strength to sustain. So I say, let's go and let's be doers of the word, not just hearers. Let's be intentional. Let's be courageous, the courageousness that he provides and impactful in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's make that our charge, our mission and our prayer. Would you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we love comfort. You know my heart. You know I love comfort. But Lord, there's a, there's a new level of comfort that exists when we're faithful and obedient to our calling. A new level of excitement, of passion, of blessing. When we go, five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Holy Spirit, take me where you need to take me. Heavenly Father, tell me what you want me to do. I'm in. I'm in. Lord, it can be so liberating and so empowering. But your enemy knows, our enemy knows that he has a powerful tool. Not only is it discouragement, but, but an unlikely one, it's comfort. That we feel so safe, so comfortable, so secure, that we don't need to do anything more than we're doing. Or there's nothing further from the truth. We have a responsibility, a mission, a calling, a direction, a commandment. Lord, give us the strength and courage to take it. We know you have equipped us. We know that you're with us. That is all we need to go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you for this church, this place we get to come and gather weekly and, and make this our base camp as we go out and take on the world. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those gathered here. I thank you for the reminder that the empty seats um, have, that there is room for us to invite and encourage others, not only here, but into a relationship with you, which is our true mission. Heavenly Father, I thank you more than anything for your son, that he went out of his comfort zone to take great pains so that we could have this relationship with you, this very conversation with you. We thank you and we are sorry for our part that caused that. We thank you for the gracious gift that has led to. It's in his name we pray, amen.